Welcome to this edition of the Peace and Power podcast, where we rediscover the life of peace and power envisioned in God's Word. Somewhere deep within, each of us desires an inner flow of peace and power that transforms our daily attitudes, relationships, and life decisions. So we now turn to God's message, the Bible as it teaches us to live in that flow of spirit peace and spirit power. It may be helpful for you to follow the outline of each talk, which is available in the show notes. And you will find the full transcript on our website, peaceandpowerpodcast.com. That's peaceandpowerpodcast.com. Here is Dr. Jim Coleman with today's Bible Talk. There is a problem with the word babysitting. The problem is that this term does not properly describe the activity it points to. The inexperienced babysitter is in for quite a surprise. Yes, there are moments when babysitters sit, but not many. Even an infant demands considerable movement. And if you are babysitting kids, good luck with sitting down frequently. You spend 90% of your time bending and toy unpacking and kid chasing and food getting and carpet cleaning, band-aid applying, and warning. That's just babysitting. The list is 20 times longer for parenting. Sometimes when we hear the word shepherding, we naively think of it as sheep sitting. After all, how demanding could watching short-legged, slow, docile sheep be? Hmm, just ask a shepherd, ancient or modern day. A shepherd in Vermont writes this, Our farmstay guests often seem to have a romantic view of what I do as a shepherd. I have come to realize that they really have very little knowledge behind the skills of a shepherd. If I were to write an ad for a shepherding position, here is a list of skills and attributes that would make a fine shepherd. Number one, must be tough at heart. Shepherding is not just about sweet lambs and pastures with sheep grazing. It is about the survival of the fittest. It is about making life and death decisions that will tear your heart apart. Number two, must be willing to do hard work. Shepherding does not just require hard physical labor, like moving fences or moving sheep and handling 40-pound bales of hay. It's about heart work, making those hard decisions and learning to go with your instincts and let your gut be your guide. Number three, must be willing to be humbled daily. Proud people need not apply. There will always be days when you realize there is much yet to learn. And so, number four, must not be afraid to learn new things. Shepherding will take you out of your comfort zone. Number five, must have great endurance. Shepherds must be willing to work in all adverse weather conditions, rain, sleet, snow, sub-zero degree temperatures, extreme heat, and humidity. They must be able to keep sheep alive in such adverse conditions. They must be able to work with little sleep, lift with little strength. Number six, must exhibit ability to observe. It takes great observation and getting to know what normal looks like to identify what is not normal. Must have the patience of a saint. Sheep will test you, and you must be able to outlast them and outsmart them. Well, in Mark chapter 14, 
As Jesus and his disciples are walking in the full moonlit night toward the Mount of Olives, across from Jerusalem, it is the picture of a shepherd and his sheep. Within a few hours, Jesus will be arrested and condemned to be crucified. This is the last time he will walk and talk with his disciples before their world turns upside down. And he is concerned for his sheep. He wants to protect and prepare them, which means he must tell them. Tell them what will happen in the next few hours. Listen as the scene unfolds how Jesus is the shepherd who knows. He knows what his sheep disciples need. If we are Christ followers, we are also his sheep. And even though we are not walking with him to the Mount of Olives, we too will walk into times of testing and failure and confusion and maybe even hopelessness. Jesus will also be our Savior Shepherd during these difficult times, knowing exactly what we need. So listen to Mark chapter 14, beginning at verse 26 and through verse 31. Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. On the way, Jesus told them, All of you will desert me, for the scriptures say, God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Peter said to him, Even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter. This very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the others vowed the same. First, we notice that Jesus is the guiding shepherd who knows our confusion. Knows our confusion even before that confusion is upon us. In verses 26 and 27, we read, Then they sang a hymn and went out to the Mount of Olives. On the way, Jesus told them, All of you will desert me. For the scriptures say God will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. So Jesus leads his disciples like a guiding shepherd from the upper room where they've just shared a meal out toward one of Jesus' favorite places, the Mount of Olives. On the way, he probably pauses from walking and looks at them in the full moonlight and takes a deep breath and then speaks words that are confusing to them, but not near as confusing as the circumstances they're soon to enter. All of you will desert me. Then Jesus quotes an old prophecy from Zechariah chapter 13, verse 7, that will be fulfilled this very night. God will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. In just a few short hours, the Father will allow his Son to be arrested in the garden, and the disciples will indeed scatter in every direction. What confusion there will be! Have you ever prayed out your confusion to God in the middle of the night? You were acutely aware that you needed guidance, that you needed a shepherd for your soul and your circumstances. I don't know if you felt close to God at that moment or far away from God, but I do know that Jesus, our shepherd, is present with us in our confusion. Jesus was reassuring his disciples that night that even though these were unexpected, confusing events to them, they were not unexpected, confusing events to him. He knew. And as we hear in his next words, Jesus has a plan, and that plan will lead them back 
into his presence. In our confusion, our shepherd promises that he is not far away, and we will again know the comfort of his presence. But Jesus then makes them face a dark reality. After the shepherd is arrested and the sheep scatter, he will eventually be killed. Other times in the past few months, weeks, or days, Jesus had plainly told them he would be crucified in Jerusalem. Every gospel records this. Now he implies his death by saying, and after I am raised from the dead. But he's not just implying his death. He's promising a resurrection. A violent death will separate his disciples from him temporarily. Then they will be reunited. Even in the confusion of this night, they can hold on to hope. Our resurrected shepherd knows we need hope. One of the major life decisions each of us must make is whether when we are disappointed again and again and again and again by the broken patterns of our lives and of this world, whether we will give in to cynicism. Cynicism says to us, nothing and no one will ever change. Everyone and everything is going to let you down. Just give in. Give up. Give over your mind and your heart to low expectations. This is not the word of God to us. Jesus is the key to hope. The best days of life and this world are ahead. Paul rang out this truth in Romans chapter 8. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. We long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies He has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. That's the Apostle Paul's words in Romans 8, 18-25. And did you notice that Paul attaches our own resurrection hope to the resurrection of our shepherd, Jesus? Jesus also knows that after his resurrection, the church will only be beginning its mission how differently they could face the confusion and fear and disillusionment of the next hours and days if his disciples realize that they have a crucial future mission ahead. And that mission will be to take the name of Jesus to the whole world and the news of that resurrection that he just promised. So Jesus says to them that after this resurrection, he will meet them in Galilee, where they had all witnessed and shared in his ministry, and where he would meet them to rekindle the fire of their coming mission. I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. Their call to mission will be restored, because Jesus, the restoring shepherd, knows the mission ahead for the church. 
There is currently a humorous TV commercial of a man who returns home with fast food and he reminds his wife just how good this meal will taste. And then she asks him where the kids are. The kids, he asked? Yes, she says, a concerned look on her face. Remember the reason you left the house was to go pick up the kids? Oh, right, right, he says. Uh, hold on. I'll be right back. He had forgotten his main mission. Jesus, our shepherd, often needs to remind us of and to restore us for our main mission as his church. And he will do that for these disciples when he meets them back in Galilee. Then there will be some days where he's with them and then he leaves them in the ascension with the words of that mission. Finally, in these moments walking toward the garden with his disciples, Jesus demonstrates that he is the wise shepherd. And in his wisdom, he knows when and where and how their faith will be tested. And he also knows how our faith will be tested. Jesus tells Peter that Peter's faith will be tested. Why? So Peter can prepare his heart and mind for the testing. But the problem is that Peter doesn't think he will fail any spiritual tests. He is sure of himself. He has a strong will. Verse 29, Peter said to him, Even if everyone else deserts you, I never will. Peter was a believer in willpower. But Jesus knows that even before this very night is over, Peter will need Holy Spirit power, a power far greater than Peter's strong will. So Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, Peter, this very night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me. No, Peter declared emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never deny you. And all the other disciples vowed the same. Peter was self-deceived about his own weakness during temptation. And the other disciples were self-deceived about their weakness. Jesus was trying to warn Peter of this. But as Paul warned the Corinthians with this admonition, if you think you are standing strong, be careful not to fall. Jesus is trying in the same way to reach Peter with a message of his own weakness and his need for God's strength. Yes, Jesus, our wise Savior, who knows our testings and he knows our weaknesses, he offers to us his strength rather than depending on our own strength. Like the shepherd in Vermont described, a good shepherd is both tough-hearted and tender-hearted, able to lead with both sympathy and correction. What a perfect shepherd Jesus was for his disciples as he led them to the Mount of Olives where they would begin to face the most trying circumstances of their faith. And he is the same guiding, resurrected, restoring, wise shepherd to us. Thank you for listening to the Peace and Power podcast. And we invite you to subscribe to hear the next upcoming Bible talk. Again, our website is peaceandpowerpodcast.com And our prayer is that God's Word has brought you a greater sense of a supernatural flow of God's peace and power in your life.